What's it like when one of your friends on death row is led away to be executed? You have a prepaid call from William A. Aguera. An inmate at the California State Prison, San Quentin. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. I had to be a different complete guy, which is the guy who walked walkways of San Quentin's death row and without a gang, without a, a group of people around me, it was just me. Soon after you went into to be on death row, and you didn't really understand the prison workout system so much. But then he said, we're going to do 75 sets of it. To me, that seems extreme. So I'm wondering if there's a danger of overtraining, wearing yourself out so that you're... <laughs> no, no, that's actually funny. That's, and it's funny. I'll tell you why. Gonna... <laughs> that's a good one, man. No, I'll tell you why. Look, I'm going to tell you Welcome to Death Row Diaries. I am Matt Ralston. And I'm William Nagura. And today, Bill, you wanted to talk about a topic that's probably on a lot of people's minds if they listen to this show, and that is, what's the status of serial killers right now as we speak? You know, we talk about a lot of stuff that happened a decade or two ago, but I guess there's a general perception that this has dropped off. Is that right? Yeah, there is. You know, there is a study, and there are a number of studies that say that you know the golden age of serial murder and serial killers was between the early 1970s and 1979. Um, and yeah, it seems to be that way. And there's the huge question is why? Why are serial killers on the decline? They just didn't disappear. This wasn't a phenomenon that happened between, you know, 40 and 50 years and it, and it went away. And, and I agree with that. It hasn't gone away. But there are a lot of uh, insights and opinions as to why we're not seeing the amount of serial murder or at least serial killers popping on the news. When we do, it's due to the DNA database usually. And it is something that happened decades ago or even more i mean we've talked about people that have been caught through its codex is that right that's absolutely correct and one good example is the california case of the golden state killer the golden state killer was a law enforcement officer who was uh, convicted of 12 murders about 50 rapes and break-ins and a number of other things over decades um but the thing with this guy is they caught him because of uh DNA testing, and it, and it wasn't they left DNA there, it was that they went through one of those websites that there you can put your DNA in and find out who your family is, and well, law enforcement used that tool in order to link the DNA they had with the relatives of here, they narrowed it down to who the guy was, and they arrested him, and by the way, the Golden State Killer is uh, the name that he has now, he is the original Night Stalker. When he was first out doing what he does, killing and raping, the media dubbed him the Night Stalker. And when he disappeared, the name kind of fell away until till Richard Ramirez appeared. They dubbed him the Night Stalker. But you're right. These cases are decades old, and now DNA is catching up to these guys. Um, and it's one of the reasons people, at least some experts, say that we don't see something serial killer because technology 
and, and that's part of the reason we're not seeing it. Uh, DNA is one. Of course, the communication between law enforcement has become a big issue. In the 70s and 80s, you had law enforcement from one particular city only two or three miles away from another one. They wouldn't share information. Now there is a database where if officers find a number of cases that they believe could be the work of a serial killer, or even if they just suspected, they put all the information in the database and other agencies from around the country and world can look into this and kind of, it's kind of a Google system where they can actually compare MOs, signatures, and they can come up with a match. And this also helps in the tracking of serial killers. So there's a lot of things that are, that are associated with technology that are actually helping stop serial killers. So explain to our listeners, and that's a little broadcast trick I have <clears throat> that I say when I don't know something. Uh, so is this database like just local departments and state departments? They upload it to a central bank, uh, just the DNA information, and it can be cross-referenced. You know, some some creepy guys found with bags of panties in his attic and things like that. Is do I have that about right? Correct. Yeah, that's, that's a ballpark figure, but yeah, it, that's pretty close. It's a database where people upload information, and anyone from Interpol to FBI to local law enforcement can look into this thing and basically see what is there and compare notes, which wasn't done in the seventies and eighties because of this almost territorial, you know dog-pissing contest that was going on, and it really slowed down agencies and detectives who were actually trying to solve cases. One of the one famous cases, the Night Stalker case, and I, re I refer to this so much because people are very aware of this case, but you had this clown running around killing people, and law enforcement, just from one city to the next city, were not sharing information, and that enabled him to continue to do things as he was doing. And of course, later on, they began to share this, and behold, we find that he's also a child molester. He had been picking up children, very young little boys and girls, and doing, God knows, the most terrible things, but letting them live. Had they sh shared that information, they would have been able to possibly catch them quicker. And that is across the board with all cases now. So that's one of the reasons people are saying, listen, to experts, it's evidence, it's communication is so much better now that law enforcement are able to stop serial killers. Well, so let me bring in my two cents on this. So 67% of serial killer murders happen in the USA. 67%. And the United States only has 4% of the world population. That is a huge number in reference to serial murder and serial killers. Now, approximately 15 to 16,000 murders happen here in the U.S. And I believe I had these numbers correct. I could be a little off, and if I am, I apologize. Of those 15,000 murders, 40% go unsolved. Now, of those 40%, how many would you guess might be serial killers working? So I, I think that the, the techniques, the communication, and all of these things that we refer to have helped. However, like any animal, 
mean, I look at serial killers as animals. I looked at, look at them, and I've made this reference before, as insects. That's insects, not incest. Um, and I look at them this way because it's easier to formulate opinions about them and not be biased. So they, like other animals and insects, I believe that they evolve. And I believe that the reason that serial killers now are at their all-time low is because they have also evolved their techniques. They realize, like anybody who watches any true crime program, and I'm sure that serial killers, because we've watched this in the past, Mark, you, Matt, well, you and I have talked about this, that a lot of serial killers look at the work of other serial killers in order to refine themselves at some point in their careers. But now, with the media, with all these true crime programs that are basically focused on serial killers, by the way, the number one gender of film and literary works about true crime is serial killers. So there's an abundance of programs where a serial killer who wants to do what serial killers do can watch these programs and see the techniques that law enforcement are using to capture serial killers in the past and how they're being caught now. And they're tweaking their MOs. They're tweaking their signatures so they still receive the gratification that they want, but law enforcement can't pick up on the trail. Does that make any sense to you? It does. So you're saying that there's going to be, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Are you saying that there are going to be a certain number of people that are into this as a baseline and we can't really stop that and and that they're just getting away with it more now? Well, not that they're getting away with it more now because in the 70s and 80s there was no DNA and so serial killers were ringing around rampant. I believe that serial killers are evolving, that they're watching the programs that are based on law enforcement's work and how they're being caught in the past. So serial killers are simply changing their manner of operation. For example, there are everybody has a camera on, their, on themselves. So if you, you know, pick up an escort service or you pick up a hitchhiker, normally they have phones on them and you can track them. A lot of people say, well, people don't hitchhike as much. That's one of the reasons serial killers have dropped off. That's absolutely untrue because you can go to any major city and there's prospects. There's prostitution and sex workers working all over the streets, and they can't be picked up without detection because their whole deal is to get in someone else's car that you've never met before and leave and go somewhere with them to have sex. Serial killers are still using the same methods. What they've changed is, for example, they don't just leave bodies everywhere because when you leave a body somewhere, you're leaving evidence there. As minute and micro as it may be, it's still evidence. I believe that serial killers are not dumping bodies like they used to. They're hiding them better. Normally, serial killers didn't care. They killed, they dumped the body, and when law enforcement found it, well, that was it. There really wasn't anything to tie the killer to the body. Well, we've learned now that, yes, in fact, there is things that can tie the body. DNA, microfibers, things that you could never even guess law enforcement is using it to catch serial killers. So what's the best way to close that window? Don't leave a body. So this is really complicated. It's really hard 
impossible probably to crunch this data at this point because I got a few thoughts, which is just uh, a recency bias and the fact that there were serial killers for 80 years before we had a new TV show about a serial killer every couple weeks. And so there's this huge pool to pick from makes it seem like, you know, there used to be all these active serial killers in the seventies, eighties, you know, everyone was constantly worried about it, locking their doors. And now there's not the last scare that was really like on people's radar that I can remember was the beltway sniper attacks. And that was 20 years ago. It doesn't seem like that, but that was 20 years ago. So is it possible that there's just, um, Obviously, there's more media now. You have 60 seconds remaining. We know there's more media now. There's more coverage of this stuff. So is it just that we know all about the stuff that happened, and now since we're in modern times going forward, there's not going to be a serial killer every week? You know what I mean? I do understand what you mean, but I don't believe that's true because, again, you have a particular you know, a pool of people that do this, they are wired to do this. There wasn't, I mean, people will say, well, because of Vietnam and because of World War II, these are the sons of veterans. That's nonsense. Serial killers are out there. They're just more careful and they're better at what they're doing than ever before. And they're finding ways around the loopholes. Let me call back. Amen. Okay, so you're saying that with the proliferation of the internet, major development for society, like maybe the biggest change like in society of all time, that the police, they're always playing catch up with these guys. They respond to what these guys are doing and that they haven't caught up yet. Is that what you're saying? Well, in, in some ways, yes. They've caught up to the ones that were, that were active in the 70s and 80s and 90s because they were ignorant to DNA testing and all the things that are the new data that there is and evidence that they can pull from virtually nothing. But I think there's a new breed of serial killer out there. Let me repeat that. I believe there's a new breed. And that breed is technically savvy, understands how they are hunted, understands where not to step, and how not to draw attention to themselves because maybe this particular type of serial killer doesn't want to get caught. He doesn't care about being in the media. He cares about being successful at what he does. He's begun, he's become the great white shark of the waters. He doesn't want to, look, and let me just say this, the whole world now believes that serial killers are now a dying breed, that we don't have them around. Well, let me just say this, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world he didn't exist. I think that's exactly what's happening now. Law enforcement, a lot of these people, supposed experts, are talking about the decline of serial killers is so great that it's not going to happen to you. You don't have to worry about this. Well, remember what I just said about the greatest trick in the world. Somehow, there is an involvement, and there is a serial killer out there, a type, a type A, an apex predator that is hunting, but he's not leaving bodies. He's not leaving evidence because the best way to avoid leaving evidence is to keep the body. Never allow it to be found. We have more than 600,000 people that go 
in the United States here. 600,000. I'm sure that that serial killer, that apex predator, understands that. And if they go missing and no one finds them, how they, where is the evidence going to come from? Where are they going to uh, prosecute? They can't. And I believe this particular breed of serial killer knows that. Okay, I want to get in to the profile of this modern serial killer. But first, the thought that popped up to me, because I read, you know, the New York Times. I read the New York Post, for God's sake. And there are there's an article every uh, six months or so about a guy that killed like five or six people and then he got caught. And, you know, there's cameras everywhere now in cities and so like there's this one example this guy named perez reed 26 year old he killed seven people total and he's a serial killer but he got caught seven isn't a number that's really going to make you know big headlines and he got caught through dna but i think a lot of these guys like there's a guy in chicago that was just going around shooting people and he got caught from cameras and is it possible that these guys are just getting nipped in the bud because law enforcement and technology, technology on the law enforcement side is also more sophisticated? Absolutely, sure. And that's one of the reasons you don't have the you don't have the run of the mill serial killer ring around like you did in the eighties, nights. Like a guy like you know the Night Stalker or uh, you know Gacy, they would have been caught a lot quicker because of all the cameras everywhere, the license plate, facial recognition, all these things play a part in this. Sure. But what they've done is they're weeding out, well, the guy that's not very bright, the guy who they just, who does this out of a spur of a moment, he's not sophisticated. So let me hit you with another number. The Long Island killer. You've heard of him, haven't you? Right. He's been killing since the 1990s. He's still killing today. He leaves bodies all over the place, missing parts. He leaves the body parts of one person and another one. He keeps, they still haven't caught this guy. He continues to do this. He's counted up to over 15 that they know of because they've actually found the bodies, the you know, decapitated bodies, the bodies without limbs, the bodies without torsos. This is a phenomenon that didn't start five years ago. We have serial killers dating back to the 1800s. We have Jack the Ripper, and I'm sure that there was plenty of serial killers prior to this as well. We have in the 50s, the Lonely Hearts Killer. You know, there's a lot of different serial killers that have been around throughout history. You know, in, in the in the, uh, the 1600s and 1700s, they accused serial killers of being werewolves. So we've had these killers throughout history, but they've evolved a little bit. Not much in the last 100 years. They haven't evolved. But now, with all this technology, I think they've bred an apex predator. I think they've bred a super serial killer. One that's doing it. Look, I talk to serial killers constantly. This is something no one else has done, but I do it on a daily basis. And I do so to, to learn. And I hear them talking. And I ask them questions about DNA, about how they got caught. Most of them don't have a really good answer. 
but there's been a few of them that have smiled and said, had I known this, I would have done X, Y, and Z different. Or I, and sure, hindsight is twenty twenty, but it gives you a bit of insight that these guys knew exactly what they were doing because of the times that they were in. Now that the times have changed, technology's better, law enforcement is better, you don't think that the criminal mind or that serial killer has evolved as well? It would be very childish for people to push this theory aside and think, ah, it's not going to happen. Because yeah. let me tell you, I have a funny suspicion that that's exactly what's happening now. We have a new breed of serial killer, and he's out there. He's hunting highways, he's hunting streets. He's just more sophisticated. So when I say be aware of your surroundings, I mean exactly that. I think it'd be very childish for us to believe that this person doesn't exist since we've seen it happen in every animal in the world that they evolve. We watch environmental evolution of monkeys that have a one long finger because they look for a particular worm, or we see these particular birds that grow longer or shorter wings and lose their ability to fly. It's environmental evolution. And that's exactly what I'm talking about here. The difference is the animal we're talking about is a human being. And the only difference between a regular animal and a human being, because by the way, we are animals, is the ability to reason. So the evolution of a human being happens very much quicker than it does an animal that doesn't know what's going on. He just evolves because of his environment. The same thing, in my opinion, is what's happening with serial killers. They're evolving. And they're evolving, they're evolving into a much more dangerous animal. It's what we have to look out for. Yeah, I read that Rolling Stone article that I think you referenced that theorized that these guys were the product of fathers who had PTSD from war. I thought that was just the most pop psychology piece of garbage I'd ever read. I mean, the Rolling Stone's not what it once was, but I mean, come on, we can do better than that. It's ridiculous because we've had child abuse. I, we've talked about this. There are hundreds, and unfortunately, we have hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of children every year who are abused in terrible situations, and my heart always goes out to those kids. But we don't have hundreds of millions of serial killers running around. We have one serial killer for every few million people. Even if that's even a number, there's usually between 40 and 60 serial killers working at one time in the United States. 40 to 60. And how many people in the United States? 100 million, 300 million. So the numbers are crazy in, in one direction. So no, I don't I don't believe that's true. If we don't have serial killers because of PTSD, that's ridiculous. I, I've always, in my position has always been that serial killers are born, they're not made. They're born that way. They're wired to respond to certain stressors and certain situations because of the way that they're built, the way that they think. It's just, you know, you don't, just because you're beat up when you're a kid doesn't mean you respond by murdering 16 freaking prostitutes because you were abused. Usually you get upset, you do some drugs, you, you might become a criminal, but you're not going to murder, to take lives, continuously to, to take lives to gratify this particular control you need or sexual gratification, that, that does not equal, two and two does not equal 18. It doesn't make any sense, and I always shake my head when you got these pipe psychologists coming in trying to, you know, fool the public into believing this garbage. So you threw some numbers out earlier, and I want to nail those down a little bit. It's my perception, correct me if I'm wrong, people are going missing 
at about the same rate as always. Like there are a lot of people that go missing in this country. You, you threw out like the total number, but I feel like the rate has got to be pretty steady. It is. Yeah. 600,000 people are, are reported missing every year. How many, uh, turn up, uh, after a while, I don't know the exact number on that, but, 600,000 are reported missing. And, you know, we know that there's a lot of people that go missing all the time. How many are those people that never show up out of the work of the serial killer? You know, we don't know, but we do know that there are many serial killers who years later confess to what they've done, and they go look for a body in a forest, and they find the remains there. That person was a missing person. No one knew that they were abducted or taken or owned by a serial killer. They just disappeared. And that happens in this country at a very high rate. Why can't we believe that instead of those bodies pumping up in rivers, pumping up in dark alleys, that they're just being put somewhere where no one can find them? In a forest, they're digging holes. Look, if your job if your job is to be a serial killer and not to get caught because you want to continue on this steady pace you're on to receive that gratification by continuing to kill, the easiest way to do that is to continue to kill, correct? And the easiest way to avoid that is not to leave any evidence. Okay, I do want to get to this new breed, but a few things are occurring to me. A, people are inside more. They're on social media. Young people are going out less. They're having sex less. That You know, in the 70s and 80s, it was not out of the ordinary and, in fact, completely socially acceptable to be, like, standing on the side of a street. You didn't have a cell phone. You didn't know where anyone was. You, you would maybe just stand on the side of the street and hop into a van with someone and, and smoke weed with them. And nine times out of ten, probably no problem. Or or hitchhike across the country. I mean, my mom hitchhiked across the country many, many times from California to the East Coast and, and no problems. But no one would ever do that anymore. At, at least it would be a terrible idea. And, and that's common knowledge now. So, you know, when the hippie thing was going on, you have all these transient people that are out of their minds and open to sex with strangers more so you had street walkers just any any kind of downtown area there'd be women in mini skirts walking down the side of the street and you don't see that anymore so could it have dropped off a little bit because of the culture sure it could but there's plenty of opportunities out there if, look let me put myself in a position of, of, a, of a predator and I'm looking for a victim. Look, I don't have to go look for them on the street corner walking in miniskirts. You know, we, you and I have talked about cases where the van pulls up and they just grab the person, throw them in, and they drive off. It happens all the time. But if you're hunting, as serial killers do, they're looking for an opportunity to take somebody without people noticing them. Yes, it's more difficult. There are cameras. But there are plenty of places, parking lots, after clubs, that people walk in those parking lots to go to their cars, and they can be taken then. I don't think that's the problem. The, the amount of victims is not the problem. The problem is DNA evidence and all the other communicative things that law enforcement are using. So this predator understands that, and now he's worked the way around it. I, I think it's that simple. So is it possible that we're seeing a shift like there's articles right now. There are like over a hundred women missing from the South side of Chicago. And there was recently a serial killer that was targeting poor rural black neighborhoods in Alabama. Now we know that 
the income gap has widened. There are actually a lot more poor people than there were in the 70s and 80s per capita. So is it th- these guys always picked on vulnerable people, you know, usually. But are we just seeing the same thing again with kind of the grim sleeper where they're going into worse and worse areas. These areas are becoming worse and worse for various reasons. And that it, it's just being pushed under the rug, like always. Uh, that's a very good possibility, but I don't think it's being pushed under the rug as it was earlier in the past few decades because there are civil rights groups that understand what's happening and that when these minorities are targeted, there's more to answer for. So I don't think it's that simple. I think that these people are just, they're better at what they do. Meaning the serial killers better at what they do. Serial killers have not disappeared. And I, I you know, I, I guess I would be uh, irresponsible to try and put a complete face on this guy because this is a theory that I have. But it seems to be very solid because I'm looking at the overall picture rather than just what a detective does. I'm looking at human nature, human behavior, animal behavior. And when you usually put a pretty good fence around your chicken coop, you get another predator that comes in and does a different thing to get into that chicken coop. I think that's what's happening here. All right. So you seem pretty confident that you've got kind of a profile. You've talked to these guys. You're, you're seeing a, listening to them say, here's what I would have done if I were alive now. And what was that about? They keep the bodies. I got to know. I don't, I can't really, I don't know what you're onto, but I feel like you're onto something. Okay. So obviously most of these serial killers that we've, we have now in prison on death row and other prisons, the reason they caught these guys for the most part, because they never catch them red handed doing it. It's usually a, you know, sometime later, they've already killed 10, 15, 30, 40, 50 women or men and, or boys. And they always get caught because of fibers, DNA, other evidence that's micro evidence that's found on the bodies because they've left the bodies. Now, talking in complete theory here, if I'm a serial killer and I know that my predecessors have all been caught because of ev- on the bodies or because I've kept the body somewhere and they found my apartment like Dahmer they found four heads in his, in his refrigerator and a torso in a, in a 50 gallon drum so the obvious at least to me the obvious way not to get caught and to leave evidence so they can pin it on you or connect it to you is to obviously completely do away with the body how does one do that? I, mean, I feel like that's easier said than done. How do you do? You dissolve a body or you burn it? You can. I mean, those are one way, but it's much easier to drive someone to dig a hole and bury it. It's not that difficult <laughs> if you really think about it. It's not that difficult. Sometimes yeah, digging a hole, digging a hole, if you don't know what you're doing, it like. There's certain ground that you can dig a hole and certain ground that you can't. It's not, I'm sorry, that's not really important, but you, you know, you can't just get a shovel and dig a hole like in the movies. You know, you got to have, you you hit rocks and stuff sometimes. 
Sure, absolutely. But that's where some research comes up. And the serial killer has the research available to him. He can do everything that law enforcement can do, he can do as well. And since he's obsessed with it, he's going to spend more time researching what to do with the body. Look, all I'm saying is there are ways to do it. I can't tell the audience exactly how they're doing it. But I'm fairly sure, I'm actually very sure, that the reason we're seeing a decline in serial killers in the media is because they've gotten smarter. They're still out there. They're still hunting. But they've played a trick on everybody. They've disappeared, what it looks like, but they've just evolved into something different. Smarter. Quicker. They know what they're doing. And that is a scary thought. Do we need to talk about truck drivers? I like truck drivers, hardworking people. I'm not trying to generalize, but I think the FBI has got like a big folder and they're mapping all these interstates. And I mean, just living in a town that's off the interstate, I think you're quite a bit more uh, vulnerable than not. Um, is, is this stuff going on on the highways? I feel like that's a big part of it. I think that's an excellent uh, viewpoint because, yes, those highways, there are a lot of truck stops. Those truck stops have a lot of sex workers because they know these guys are coming in off long hours by themselves thinking, and that's a good place. You're always going to find victims are not hard to find. What are hard to find are the predators because they know that people are watching out for them. As I said, if, you, if you're a truck driver and you happen to have, you know, you're a buddy serial killer, you have all these hours to drive, doing nothing, wouldn't the best thing to do is to pitch your podcast, listen to Death Row Diaries, hear William Nogueira down serial killer cases, what they think, what they do, what they're going to do. I'm sure there's somebody out there right now listening just smiling to himself saying, that son of a bitch, because I've already picked him. He knows I'm talking about him right now. And that's scary that I'm talking right now, and there's probably a serial killer listening to this podcast and listening to you and I talk about the evolution of serial killers and this guy that's now operating out there, and he's not getting caught because he understands what he has to do to avoid law enforcement traps. Yeah, I'd never thought about it, and you're making a strong case. So in... 1999 or 2002 let's just say 94 not that long ago but most people didn't have the internet there was no there wasn't a lot of information on this yeah you could read about Dahmer and these guys and and glean certain things but you're saying that now like the Netflix documentary about the Night Stalker which I've watched and a lot of people watched that these guys can actually learn from this and then, you know, Google things to follow up on. You think they're actually studying this stuff? Absolutely. Yes. I think that's exactly what's happening. And it's nobody's fault, but there is a lot of information out there that's very available to anyone. And wouldn't it be the right thing to do if you are a predator to learn everything you can about the people that are hunting you? That doesn't seem that far-fetched to me. So let's do a 
an exercise. Can you name off the top of your head a serial killer uh, from a, a bygone era, pre-internet, that was very sophisticated and yet was still caught? I'm trying to think, like, maybe John Wayne Gacy, although he was uh, he was putting himself out there a lot. But what's a good example of someone someone like that who, who was good at it? I don't think there's anybody out there that's been caught or anything else that is that guy I'm talking about right now. Ted Bundy comes to mind. Sophisticated guy. Intelligent, but so moved by his own narcissism that he couldn't really operate normal. If you couldn't spot that guy coming a mile away, you're an idiot. Because you just look at that guy and you know, shit, there's, there's problems with this guy. So, but, but let me use someone that people don't know too much about. And you and I talked about him on the Patreon. Joseph Naso. He started raping at the age of 16, 1950. He killed in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Four decades. They never caught him. In 2010, because of a just a lucky situation, his parole officer, his probation officer, he's on probation for petty theft, goes to his house, finds a bullet, decides to search the house, and they find his famous list of 10. As you know, years later, they figure out, they, they decide for the riddle, and they solve six of the murders. But for 40 years, this guy killed. That's a predator that was able to hide in plain sight. I wonder if the internet can actually make them sicker. Because, you know, there was always pornography and stuff, but now I feel like if you're a certain monomaniacal psycho i mean you could just sit on the internet reading things that creeps posted on 4chan or whatever and looking at like an endless supply of women and finding weirder pornography and you know this isn't i don't think the media creates serial killers but i could see it contributing to their sickness because they have just this unlimited amount of material to kind of fantasize on and plot on things, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I, I, I do understand what you mean. Um, however, that whole CD scene, you could have found that in Hollywood in the 70s, 60s, and 80s, where you have all these porn shops, and yes, having access to the internet and stuff like that would give guys the privacy of their home to do what they're doing. But although that may, I think that kind of quenches their thirst a little bit, I don't think it makes them any more violent. Because for a serial killer, that's already built into him. He's already going to be doing that. Can that trigger him a little bit more? Possibly. Can it make him more active? Possibly. But they're already who they are. And this particular killer that I'm talking about, this new breed of serial killer, we're going to see him come up. I guarantee you in the next few years, there's going to be suddenly law enforcement is going to pick up on this guy or these particular guys. And, and, and women are going to be involved as well. And we're going to, other podcasts, and other people will be talking about this particular apex predator. And hopefully, um, they'll realize that criminals evolve just like everybody else does. And, you know, we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks about this particular issue. And it bothers me because I'm guessing a lot here, but I'm, I'm guessing from firm ground. 
um, and this guy exists. And I'm going to tell you one other thing that you should know, that the audience should know. Serial killers in prison are not by themselves. Yes, they have groupies, you know, beautiful girls that come see them and talk to them. That's not who I'm talking about. There are people that write serial killers who themselves are serial killers as well. This has been documented for decades. We saw that uh, John uh, John Hickey was corresponding with Ted Bundy. Let me call back. Yeah, as I was saying, um, these serial killers here receive a lot of correspondence from other men who are interested in them as study material. And there's a lot of corresponding going back and forth between these serial killers that are in prison and those that are working the streets now. And the, if you want to call the older ones that are in prison, are giving these younger ones a lot of lessons, lessons learned. And I know this because some of the serial killers here have pictures of their victims. They sign them and they make little cards out of them, like trading cards. They laminate them and they trade them with serial killers on the streets. I've heard these stories. I've watched them interact with people here. I've seen the cards. In the book that I wrote, Picture Perfect, I actually show a few of those cards. I was able to get them from a, from a serial killer here. So what I'm trying to say is a lot of things go on that law enforcement don't know about. And it usually starts by someone who doesn't want to get caught, but he's learning from the mistakes of others. So that's really what I have about this new breed and new apex predator that's evolved in the last few years. And it's the reason that I believe that we have less serial killers, at least in the media, and we think that they're gone. But as I mentioned before, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world he didn't exist. So be careful. So are we going to discover some, I don't know, for lack of a better word, some mega serial killer with some, you know, unheard of victim count? Because it seems like the society is pretty sick. It's probably getting sicker. I mean, I remember watching the news coverage of the Las Vegas shooting in 2017. I was at a bar with a friend and we were just going to hang out. I hadn't seen her in a while. And, and we were just watching the TV going, wow, I can't believe it's 60 people. As if that's, I don't know, more newsworthy than 40 people. But just that number, like, and I was saying that's got to be a record. And that sucks, you know, but... Are, are we going to see that? Yeah, I believe that we are, that we're going to run across. It'll happen little. It'll happen, and we're going to see that happen. We'll, we'll have, you know, a, a serial killer that comes up, and we discover he's done so much. And when we discover how he did it, it'll become very obvious that he was studying law enforcement techniques, and he figured a way around it. Look. This is a true number. Since the 1970s, there are over 2,000 serial killers that remain at large. Some died of old age, some were killed, some went to prison, but they, they were never caught for being serial killers. And also, one thing we should mention before we close this issue is that in the 70s, 60s, and 50s, when you 
got caught for sexual assault or something like that, you did, we've heard it, you know, eight months, a year, 16 months, you have, uh, you know, sex with a child and molestation and you're out like Gacy in a year. So you're able to continue doing what you do. And if you were a serial killer, just budding, you start doing what you wanted to do. Uh, you know, uh, William Bonney is a good example. He got caught for a number of rapes of, of boys, and he was let out within a year or two years. And then he started this thing where he said, I'm not going to have any more witnesses. I'm just going to kill everybody. And he killed something like 47 children. So there is, there's, there is that. And now when these serial killers who are just starting out, if they get arrested for uh, sexual assault, they would be in life in prison. They don't get out. So that's something that can be considered as well. But even with that being said, because of those pitfalls where they step, the serial killer I'm talking about is aware of all that. And he's going, he's starting off quicker than the other ones. He's not trying, playing around with kids with handcuffs. No, he already knows what he is. And he's acting like it. From the very get-go, he's killing and discarding killing and hiding it's a different breed i mean speaking of which you know as far as technology goes you could go on like tinder you could go on bumble you can go on facebook let's just say you know you could find out things about people on tinder i think actually meeting up with them and killing them would would see you caught but you can kind of like stalk people a lot easier you can get a gps and say you know, you, you Google a place in the uh, Angeles National Forest. Uh, here's a private driveway that no one's lived at for 20 years or whatever. And now you can actually find it. You know, in the 70s, you're driving up there. You're going to get lost. It's dark. You're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it, sure. it, yeah. like the, I feel like this technology, it's not like you're bionic, but like you just have a lot of things at your disposal that you wouldn't have. Yeah, it makes you into an uber killer or an uber criminal. Or in that case, in this case, an uber serial killer. When a serial killer can stalk you without leaving the comfort of his living room, and he can do so on social media to get interested in you, yeah, that's that's a scary thought. That is a huge, scary thought. But look, this is, this is why you and I do this, is to kind of bring these issues up. Hopefully people are listening and they'll take this to heart that this guy exists out there and you have to be careful. Um, I don't have all the answers to it, but it's what I think and my theory of what's going on. And Syracuse not going away. They're here to stay. So be very careful. We don't want to come out. So in closing, because I think I've kind of got your perspective, and I know you don't know, but your gut feeling compared to, I don't know, pre-2000, the rest of American history, or since the you know, 1960s, 50s, modern American history, whatever, are there more, are there less, or is it the same? It's the same. It's, you know, 40 or 60 every year are active in the United States. And, and it fluctuates a little bit, some, some years less, some years more. But, you know, depending on their activity, that's my number, 40 to 60 in the United States. You know, LA, Los Angeles, California was a hot spot. But I don't think that that's true today. I think there's other cities that are less refined than in California, Los 
that are more attractive to these kind of people because there's less cameras, less uh, social media platforms for people all the that. This guy knows this because he's studying So, yeah, 40 and 60 is my number, and, and I think it's going to hold steady. Plenty of reasons to move out of the sticks. Bill will be back next week with another, well, with a story of a serial killer, and we'll apply uh, your your knowledge to that. And until then, I've been Matt Ralston. And I'm William Nogueira. Be safe. Be aware of your surroundings. Your life can depend on it.